are now about to witness the strength of knowledge. This is Steve Dace. Raising a banner of bold colors, no pale pastels. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Our rights are inherent and essential, derived from our maker. That is liberty, and liberty will reign in America. This is Steve Dace. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in to today's free podcast powered by CRTV here on iHeart, iTunes, and Stitcher. Thank you for subscribing. If you haven't yet, please consider doing so. Also, if you don't mind writing us a positive review. Well, Steve, what if I think you guys suck? Well, you know, we wouldn't want you to lie, so just don't say anything then. Just, you know mosey on along don't say anything first of all it hurt our feelings and two it kind of hurts the program so positive reviews get us more exposure on those platforms uh, we need as much word of mouth as we could possibly get and i ain't too proud to beg so so please if you dig the show uh, let them know about it there with the reviews at iheart itunes and stitcher steve at stevedace.com is the email address like us on facebook and follow us on twitter at steve day show last name is spelled d-e-a-c-e Todd and Aaron are here with us. We just wrapped up today's CRTV television show, which you can access today via CRTV.com, promo code DACE if you've yet to subscribe. And that promo code will not just get you my show, but all of the other shows here at CRTV as well, including the great one, Mark Levin. CRTV.com, promo code DACE. You'll get a discounted subscription. We have monthly options available as well as a free trial period. So if you try it during that period and you think we all blow, chunk wads, you can cancel it anytime time and you won't be charged a dime but uh, as we just finished wrapping up today's tv show todd give the audience a little taste of what's to come well you know those posters that are in a lot of buildings some have in the home called successories well there's an, a hilarious version of those called demotivators and there's a classic one it's a silhouette of a female jogger about 10 yards ahead of a male jogger and the caption is it's over man let her go and <laughs> <laughs> and you, have you do you know demotivators? I've not, not yet. Yeah, oh, not seen that. They're no. brilliant. Well, you uh, you don't go into it for very long, Steve. But that's the essence of your fake news or not, not involving Jimmy Kimmel. Uh, he, Jimmy Kimmel, in his own words, lets it be known exactly what he thinks of you, and it's time to take notice of that once and for all, and stop being so desperate to get the attention of fools like him. Aaron. Yeah, that's where I was going to. I mean, for fake news or not today, with uh, all of the clips that we played, we got the old um, self-awareness-o-meter out, and we turned it on, fired it up, and we we used it on Jimmy Kimmel, and we used it on another fairly no- well-known um, figure in media. And at first, we thought the batteries were broken in the, in the old self-awareness-o-meter, and so we put in a new pair of batteries, and we, we, we used it again, and it's still registering nothing on self-awareness meter. And um, that's, that's basically where we're at right now. That was well said, Aaron. I, where was the, I, I expected your daily clickbait. You won't believe what made Dace twitch. Because I almost literally went on set Tourette's mm-hmm. at one of these clips today. And you'll, you'll have to see it uh, when it gets posted at CRTV.com. Again, promo code DACE. You'll get a reduced discounted subscription to all the shows at CRTV on demand. You can also try a monthly option. Take advantage of the free trial. Try it, Mikey. You might like it. All right. Uh, a couple things I want to get to on the free podcast today. But we're going to start. The first one is uh, I don't even know what to say to this. I just, 
Good thing you have your own show. Uh, headline, Federal Survey Asked Children About Sex and Home Life. And one of the people that has been on this story is our very own Shannon Joy from uh, New York, where she's a talk show host out there. She is in our bullpen here at CRTV. She fills in periodically on the Dace Group Roundtable. She joins us now here on the Steve Day Show podcast. Shannon, how are you? I'm good, Steve. Thanks for having me. So you have been on this story. You have been all over this federal survey and the questions they're asking our kids. Tell us about it. Well, it started about a year or two ago, actually, as uh, you know, I was talking uh, to parents in a neighboring school district who kept yelling at me about this youth risk survey. It's actually called the Youth Risk Behavior Surveillance System, YRBSS, as detailed at the Centers for Disease Control website, where they where they explain what this is. And uh, they kept coming to me and saying, "You, this this survey is outrageous. You have to do a show on this." And I said to them, "Well, you know, give me the give me the questions. I mean, what, what's going on?" And and these parents couldn't get access to the questions that were on the survey. This is a, a survey that is given sometimes with parental notification, very often without parental notification in public schools all over the United States of America and about 40 of the 50 states, funded by the federal government and uh, in exchange for grant money, grant opportunities, and a whole host of other, uh, you know, shiny objects that they dangle in front of school districts in order to get them to comply to their federal will. And so we were, we've been trying to get access to this survey for quite some time. Uh, the parents were not allowed to see the survey. Uh, they had to go into the school district. Uh, you know, the school sent home, we're going we're gonna to give this, student, this survey to 6th through 12th graders, uh, mm. kids as young as 11, and uh, you, you can't look at it. And so some of uh, my diligent parents said, well, heck no, I'm not going <laughs> to, heck no, you're not going to not let me see it. And so the school played a game with them for quite some time. Finally, they were able to come into the school and sit in a room and look at the survey, but they weren't allowed to write things down or take pictures or anything like that. They could only view it. And so, you know, I held off on the story because we just didn't have it. We didn't have access to it. And uh, it wasn't until the, the survey came to my school district um, and in a, a letter uh, informing us that there was a, a mandatory parent meeting for four to uh, fourth grader parents to sixth grade parents about this survey, and I was able to find the survey. And uh, just to give your audience a little snippet of what is on this federal survey, um, how old were you when you had oral sex for the first time? Mm. How old were you when you had sex for the first time? How many different partners have you had sex with? Uh, do you use cocaine, crack, or free base? Have you ever made a plan to kill yourself? How often did a parent or adult at home swear at you, insult you, or put you down? How much sleep do you get? How many hours of TV do you watch? What are your eating habits? How many hours of video games do you play? On and on and on, a hundred questions, three periods, about three hours worth of questions that American children are submitted to every two years uh, at the hands of the public schools. What's their justification for this questionnaire? This is to promote... Um, healthy behaviors among uh, American children. And so this is uh, all funded by the federal government, currently being funded by Health and Human Services, NIH, and Centers for Disease Control. This is still happening under the, the uh, Donald Trump administration and under the watch of Betsy DeVos, so it's continuing. And uh, it is funded by millions, if not billions, of dollars of taxpayer money. That money is then used. The, the results of this survey are used for a couple things. Um, first, it, it, they use it for the communities to obtain data 
data that is necessary for communities to obtain grants from the federal government. So for, um, you know, organizations like CPS to expand child protective services, to expand school lunch programs, to expand community intervention programs, health and behavior intervention programs. Uh, this data is used uh, to obtain the, that grant money. So the school districts are saying, well, we have to do, we have to get the data because if we don't get the data, then we can't get the, the funding from the federal government. Um, in, in some cases, it's, it's quite terrifying, Steve. Uh, there is one aspect of this YRBSS. It's called the, the, this survey is young men who have sex with men. Now, it's not young men who have sex with young men. It is young men who have sex with men. So in the, the federal government funds a study it's a, in mo mostly urban school districts where they interview young men who have indicated they are having sex with men. Uh, that's pedophilia. In result, uh, that data is then gathered, and then the school district makes a justification to the feds of the state. Uh, because we have these, these risky health behaviors, we need federal funding in order to bring in and outside organizations, NGOs, non-governmental organizations, uh, one, one name here in New York is Trillium Health, which is a, a health uh, provider that is funded by the federal government specifically for gays, transsexuals, bisexuals. And, and those outside organizations can then go into the schools and gain access to the children mm -hmm. in order to mitigate those unhealthy behaviors. See, this is, this is the key part of your equation, frankly, if you ask me, Shannon, because... As parents, I think we'd actually like to know some of this information. The, the, the question really comes down to, to what end? What is the goal of obtaining this information? And that's why you really need to look at who's behind this, because is there a typical modus operandi? Is it to promote ideologies and moralities and behaviors that are the antidote to this acting out or is it to perpetuate this acting out that's the real question it's not the asking of the questions in my mind shannon it's the who's the asking the questions because then you get an idea of to what end are these questions actually being asked well, absolutely. And as a parent, the, 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 the more important thing here, there, I have multiple, multiple examples in multiple different school districts across the country of parents who were never informed. They were never informed. Their child took this test in sixth grade, so their kids as young as 10 or 11 years old took this exam or this test, this survey, and were introduced to concepts like oral sex, like sexting, like crack and cocaine, uh, very detailed questions about suicide, and the parents never knew. So for me as a parent, if you're going to, if, if my kid is exposed to this, by God, I want to be able to talk, I want to be able to talk to them about it. Now, if parents are denied that information mm -hmm. and de denied access to the survey, essentially you have the school acting as the authority. The parents are completely uh, clueless. My sister, I had a conversation with my own sister whose son took it two years ago. She's just finding out about it now, and she's livid because these are conversations that she can't have with her kid. And what this does is it establishes the school and the state in the authority position with the kid. In addition, these surveys also determine the curriculum, the health curriculum that is addressed in middle school and high school. And so if they see that kids are talking about oral sex and engaging in, in gay or lesbian sex with multiple partners, then they're gonna to begin to talk about these types of activities in health class to the exclusion of the parents. This is so dangerous that I can't, can't assert strongly enough to parents, forget about Harvey Weinstein, forget about Hollywood infecting the culture and, and infecting our children. They don't need 
Hollywood anymore. They are in our schools and they are funded to the tune of billions upon billions of dollars to push ultimately what I believe they want to get to is a comprehensive sex ed curriculum. If you want to get a template of that, what I, where I think it's going, it's the United Nations, the UNESCO sex ed curriculum. That will absolutely turn your stomach. It will curl your toes. It is full on pornography. Uh, in the classroom and that's not happening yet but it will if parents do not begin to wake up and find out what is going on in these public schools charter schools and and also private schools shannon how can our audience stay up to date on this story if they'd like to one of the best things you do, I mean, you guys can all follow my show. You can download the app and listen to my show every day. We address these topics um, every week on the Shannon Joy Show. It's at the Shannon Joy app. Also, a really amazing um, uh, website that keeps up-to-date information is called Child Abuse in the Classroom. Childabuseintheclassroom.com. And this will give you up-to-date information on Common Core, Fed Ed, ESSA, the, the sex curriculums, and, and most importantly, Steve, the way that regular parents can get involved and fight back. Because we have an enormous amount of power. We don't use it. And it, simply it's because most parents don't know how to use it. So that's a great resource. Shannon, thanks for uh, alerting us to this story, staying on top of it, and for being on the podcast today. All right. Thanks, Steve. Todd, quick reaction to what you just heard as a uh, as a father. Well, Shannon nailed the moral debaseness of all this, but even if you're not talking about something as vile as that, the, the picture she painted of how long it took just to get access to a test that they are giving fourth graders and letting their eyes see openly. And then when you're a parent, you have to go into a room. You can't take pictures or you you can't take a copy of it. This is where we talk about you're going to have to get arrested at some point to fight for what you believe in. Listen, under no circumstances would I go through that dog and pony show. I go into that room, I'm taking pictures, or I'm walking out with this copy, or you're going to make a copy, or what's the next level here? Because there's no way you're going to treat me like that in a public school that I'm paying for. And you're going to have to make them call the cops. The thing that, that disturbs me the most about this this survey, and, I, and this is coming from somebody who doesn't have kids even, is the questions themselves. And I, I appreciate how you pointed out that, you know, um, who's asking the questions is probably the... The, the biggest question here because you can can I clarify the, that for just a moment yeah, yeah. It, so when you had your kids at Sacred Heart Catholic School if they came to you and said hey we're going to ask some of these questions to find out where our kids are at are they acting out that's a, to me that's a lot different than the government doing it and not disclosing it to me in advance that they're doing it don't you think it potentially could be different yeah. yes but even there I, all my spidey senses well, going off but, but I, I would the likelihood be greater that it would be for a different end game than the way this is playing itself out yes okay that's the point i was yes. trying to make go ahead aaron it's this the way this quiz and i'm, I'm picturing a, like a 10 year old anybody um trying to answer these questions they go from how are your grades doing you know how do you think you're doing in school to um uh, when was the first time you had oral sex has you have you ever had uh, have you ever used heroin before that is just weird and it's Mm. question after question something is just like i 
I, I don't know why I had this reaction, but when I saw just the way they go from innocuous to really weird, have you ever com- uh, tried to commit suicide, and all these inappropriate questions that you don't want a 10-year-old thinking about, something just struck yep. me as demonic. Well, because you know th- this is right out of Romans. This is where Paul says, you know, the law made us made made us worse because we already had something in our nature that wants to be bad. You guys have heard me describe this before. No one has ever had to teach their kid how to say mine, how to say no, how to not share. No one, no one's ever said, okay, don't, Timmy, don't share with your little sister now. Be selfish. You ever had to, seen a parent teach their kid that? No, never. We have that in our nature. But, you know, in a football context, they asked Jim Harbaugh about Michigan setting a record for penalties this weekend. And they're like, don't you coach that? He goes, do you guys don't think I scream this all the time? You guys ever raised any kids, though, he said? I, I, I have six kids at home. Every time I tell, I tell all six of them, don't spill the milk. I promise you, when I turn around, one of the six kids is going to spill some milk. Okay, that's just part of the growing up process. Well, that's sort of what you're addressing. That's what Paul is addressing in Romans. That's what you're alluding to, Aaron. That yeah, There is a fine line between wanting, even if under the best of circumstances, wanting to know these things and then planting seeds in their head at the exact same time. You know, I mean, that's that, and that is where you know as we have to be adults and understand. It's one thing to ask a fourteen or fifteen year old, "Have you ever had suicidal thoughts?" It's another thing to ask a ten year old. I, I think my my nephew Colin just turned ten uh, just a few days ago, and he's public schooled. But I, in the interaction that I have with him, I can't imagine that he knows anything about suicide. He doesn't know what heroin is. He has no clue about most of the stuff that that survey is asking and that's just especially that's, in this day and disturbing. age of smartphones yes. and the, they, well let me go google that and find out what that's yes. all about i think we have to be far more aware of these things as adults no question about it even and that's even if we trust the motivations and the conclusions behind this which I'm sure none of us do, but even if we trusted that this was on the up and up, because of the things Aaron's alluding to, because of human nature, because of what I just pointed out, Todd, about how much this stuff, you can just go, and, and we can't control our kids anymore with, uh, with the world of social media and online media communities out there, um, we need to be very careful about what terminology we're provoking them with. Well, yeah, because to me, this has everything to do with what you talked on about on the television show about how progressives do not see the world as it truly is. And we need to know what we're dealing with. These question askers are have a firm cultish worldview and they have a firm notion of how our children play into that as as a sacrificial lambs to their to their god if we if we don't recognize that you know we'll go into this as some sort of you know bureaucratic misunderstanding mm-hmm. and we'll try to paper things over and all no it's way worse than that your children are targets mm. yep that let's leave this conversation there cuz i i want i want that to linger in the minds of the audience. All right, the second topic I wanted to address today. I want to bring this up in regards to a politician that the three of us have talked a lot about, more so off the air than on. Just because most of the time when we're on the air, we're talking about worldview as it pertains to actual policy. 
And this particular politician is really not involved in a lot of policy debates. But he is involved in a lot of um, philosophical or, or personality-driven ones, and that's Nebraska Senator Ben Sass. And maybe we've talked a little bit about this on the air, but I know we've talked quite a bit about it among the three of us off the air. You guys have asked me at various times what I thought about the way he's handling himself and the never-Trump approach he's taken. And I think I've told you up until, up until this point, I think he's done everything perfectly. And I say this as someone who is well aware of what I think is legitimate conservative criticism, that he's almost nowhere to be found when we have an actual policy fight, right? Like, we know Rand Paul, Mike Lee, and Ted Cruz, when there's an actual policy fight, we may not like what they're going to say, but we know we're going to know where they stand, right? Do we have any doubt about that? No, you're right. right. And most of the time, if you're throwing a guy like a Tom Cotton and a Marco Rubio, most of the time, not all the time, you know, but most of the time, those are another couple of guys that you know eventually where they where they're going to let you know where they stand. Do we often know where Ben Sass is at on a lot of these things? No, we just know he's a really groovy tweeter. Yes, but when this has come up in our private conversations, I've told you guys. Now, if I were working in his office, I would tell him to keep doing that because they can't pass anything. They can't do anything. That there is no point in exhausting any political capital for this political party until it shows it can accomplish something. Otherwise, you just go out there and make enemies for no reason at all. Make enemies for reasons. Don't make enemies for no reasons. So up until this point, I think he's played this whole thing perfectly. You guys can tell me in a minute if you agree or disagree. I think last week he had his first misstep. And he's not alone. I've seen others make this mistake as well. Molly Hemingway had a, at The Federalist had an observation about six months ago that I think has proven to be salient. And, and she said, absolute never Trumpism corrupts every bit as much as absolute always Trumpism does. And you guys seem, have seen me in the last couple of weeks get frustrated with some of this absolute never Trumpism to the point it's become its own cult. Like the Mitt the Twump cult. And if you're going to do the never Trump thing, I may know a little bit about this. I have some personal experience where this is concerned. If you're going to do the never Trump thing, now I don't consider, for the record, I don't consider myself never Trump. I retired it at the end of the election. Because to me, it's now, it's about Team America, dude. What's best for the country. So when I think Trump does what's best for the country, I will tell you that. When I think what he's doing is not what's best for the country, I will tell you that. I'm just calling balls and strikes now, at least as the best I can, knowing that I'm human and buy and have my own shortcomings, fallacies, etc. Because sometimes in the very same show, you're giving him praise and burning him yes, down. Yes, yes. Yeah, because I now I think it's I could be bipolar. I think it's an accurate reflection yes. of, of no, the bipolar nature of our government at the moment. But I could be wrong about that too, and that's where you and the audience get to make up your minds. But I don't consider myself never Trump anymore. And I was very public about that. I retired that after the election. Now it's about the election is over. Now it's about what's best for the country. Um, but if you're going to hold on to that mantle, okay. Or if you want people to respect you when you had that mantle, I think this applies too. What Ben Sass said to Trump about his threats of taking over the media last week. And what he said to him about, are you voluntarily, you know, foregoing your oath of office 
to defend the Constitution, because, of course, we're talking about the First Amendment. I agree with all of that. My issue is not with Ben Sass doing that. Because I've, when, I've, when I've presented this criticism on Twitter the other day, we're, in a, we're at the point now that whataboutism is its own whataboutism. Like, there can be no criticism. Every criticism now is whataboutism. We've gone so far. We did, what was it, three, four months ago we did a show mocking yep. whataboutism. We're going to have to do a show mocking those who are now, over, who call every criticism whataboutism. So whataboutism would be, I don't think Ben Sass should should criticize Trump's defying of the First Amendment because the Democrats are defying it the first that the First Amendment too. That's what whataboutism is. Whataboutism is responding to Ben Sass with, well, what about when the Democrats that's that's whataboutism. Whataboutism is not what I'm about to say. I agree with what he said to Trump about the First Amendment, every syllable of it. But if you want people to take you seriously on that point, you can't you can't say to Trump, you can't send him a, a public comment, are you foregoing your oath of office? When every day that ends in Y, the Democrats in the chamber you work, work in are, are attempting to, are, are openly, we're not even questioning whether they're foregoing their oath of office, they're openly doing it on the First and Second Amendments and then the 10th, every day that ends in Y for years. You see the point I'm trying to make? Then, then I would assume Senator Sass ought to send a note to Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi at all, are you foregoing your oath of office to protect the First Amendment by going after Christian bakers and nuns and, um, and, and gun owners? By telling states they have to impose uh, policies that they don't think are best for their people in violation of the Tenth Amendment. Are you foregoing your oath of office? See, this is, this is where we have to be very careful if you were in the Never Trump thing. You cannot say I'm going never Trump because he's a violation. I have to I would violate my own credibility to support Trump. Okay. Then you need to make sure you are equally applying that on down the line. If we are beyond frustrated with the myth the Trump cult who wants to hold Democrats to a standard without holding Trump to one at all, well, what you cannot do is hold Mr. Trump to a standard you're not holding the Democrats to at all. You can't ever be seen, if you want this to be taken seriously, you can't ever be seen by by people as being harder on Trump than you are Democrats for doing all the exact same things. Because then you become the inverse of what we criticize the Mr. Trump cult for. That is perfectly fine when Trump is authoritarian, not fine when Obama does it. And I'm, I'm seeing a lot of that, I, not just from Ben Sass, whom I like, but I think he kind of stepped in it the other day. But I've, I, I saw a ton of this. I, I saw something from Bill Kristol today, for example. If Mitt Romney were president now, let me ask you guys, if Mitt Romney were president now and decided that the federal courts have adjudicated that the subsidies upholding Obamacare were illegal because they came from the White House and not from Congress, which is the sole power, uh, the sole appropriative body in our, in, our, in our Constitution. And Mitt Romney said, therefore, I can't do this anymore. It's against the law. Does anybody believe Bill Kristol would be on CNN over the weekend calling Mitt Romney heartless, telling him you should not do this unless you have an alternative in place to replace those subsidies, which we already have, guys. Do you know what it's called? Medicaid. Medicaid. You know what? And by the way, Medicaid's about 50 times the subsidy those Obamacare subsidies were, and it's existed for five damn decades. 
So the whole argument in and of itself is a false argument. It's a, it's, it's a fallacy. The whole thing's a lie. This idea that all these poor people just can't go to the doctor now. Frankly, they're probably going back on Medicaid where they're going to get bigger coverage. And oh, by the way, well, Steve, that's not, it's not true. All the states that did not impose Obamacare, Todd, what did they expand? Medicaid. Medicaid. Why did they expand Medicaid if they weren't going to impose Obamacare? So they could take care of who, Todd? The poor. So this whole argument is fake. The whole thing is fake. The whole thing. There's nothing real. This isn't even this isn't even good class warfare. There is literally we're literally making the argument two plus two is five, and people are screaming and cutting themselves on television. To, 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 it must be five. It's it's four, guys. It's been four for quite a while now. We've had Medicaid in time all this time. That's why all these Republican governors expanded Medicaid when they didn't want to impose Obamacare. The whole thing's fake. But if Mitt Romney had done what Donald Trump did in the last 72 hours, do you believe Bill Crystal Todd would be on no CNN way. criticizing no, him for it? No, no, no. Aaron, what about you? Mm, no. That's a problem then. He'd be the next Reagan. No, no doubt about it. And Crystal would be on there saying everything I'm saying right now. The whole argument's fake. We already have Medicaid. Most of these Republican states have expanded Medicaid. It's, it's, it's a better program. It'll be cheaper for the taxpayer putting in them in Medicaid than, than doubling up on, on another subsidy for the poor, which will then raise prices for the middle class. That's why their health care premiums are going up. It'd be better to put them in their own risk pool in Medicaid and get them out of the private market so our rates would go back down. That's the argument he would be making, and it would be the right one. That you can't do. We can't do this. And I would, man, I'd love to sit here every day and do shows where we just disembowel progressivism, but there's a big thing standing in the way between me and that argument. And it's a big steaming pile of horse pucky. There is so much horse pucky. It's, it is, our politics are like those um, t-shirt shooters at Major League Baseball games in the seventh inning stretch. It's like every day when you turn on one of these cable news shows. I don't care if it's Fox and Friends, Emmett, pick a show. It's like every show now is where the truth goes to die, pretty much. And it is literally just people standing out there, and it's just the the logo of the brand they are, Trumpism, Team GOP, Progressivism, Democrat, whatever it is, just just launching shirts with their logos on it into the audience to feed the frenzy. And it's just, it's, 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 and that's BS and that's BS. That's BS. That's BS over there. I, I just spend most of my time now just calling horse pucky on people. Because I can't argue, advocate for the truth when everything's a lie. And, and the never Trumpism thing is, if we're not there yet, we are rapidly approaching this place now. Where just as Trumpists, the admit the Trump cult, is openly advocating stuff. Can you imagine what Leon Wolf said at the Blaze? I agree with the other day. Does anybody know what all of conservative media would have done for the last four days of shows on every show, every network, every blog if Obama had threatened Fox News as license? Does anybody know? Painted the walls. No doubt. I mean, there is no freaking doubt, man. Wailing, gnashing of teeth. We'd be, we'd be selling doom prepper uh, and MRE rations and gun sales would soar once more. But, but the answer to that is to not become what I've seen the last few days either. Because you lose your argument. That's when it looks like you're literally, we, there's only two options. Because here's, you guys tell me if there's another option. There's, to me, there's only two options. One, you have Trump derangement syndrome. 
Two, you're just rooting against America now. Neither one of those are a good look. Can I? Can is there a third option that you can think of? Mm, no. Aaron? No. No. Well, he hate me then. That those are bad options, and you lose all your credibility. And then everything you went through last year during that election, trying to hold this standard, you just wasted your time. You did it for nothing. You just threw it all away. You're a fool. You should have. You should have sold out first. If you if you were going to do this after he got elected, if you're going to behave like this, then you should have just sold out first. That was at least a better deal. The, the dumbest ass thing to do is to hold out for an entire divisive, close, nail-biting election when it could be argued every day that, that you were getting in the way of winning. Even if you only cost us 1% of the vote, that could have been the difference. The dumbest thing to do is to hold firm on your standards, Todd, throughout that entire excruciating contest and then turn around and when he does stuff that in any other capacity you would agree with, if it was done by any other human being, any other Republican nominee of our lifetimes, if he had done this stuff, you would agree with it. And now suddenly you're trashing it. Then what was the point of that exercise last year? It was pointless. And you open yourself up to, well, you just did it because you thought it would help your career. Thoughts? Well, this is what happens when you go from living in the bubble to living in the Wild West. And people are very, very unmoored from what they have considered reality for a long time. I, I think the picture you paint is fascinating if you take our conversations into last week. I mean, you you absolutely have been critical of uh, Donald Trump. We had a good talk on Friday when all of us didn't necessarily uh, agree in all its parts about Donald Trump's assessment of uh, the media and how you go about using the bully pulpit, how much is words, how much is bluster, mm-hmm. uh, how much is actual um, uh, actual big government come alive. And then somebody like Sass points that out, but it, and basically agreed it's good to go on offense. Like in your book, it's a must to go on offense, but he went on offense really badly. It seems like you're making the exact same criticism of Sass. Important to go on offense on this issue, but again, going uh, uh, really badly. People, we're, people don't know how to go on offense in this dynamic, in this environment. Uh, and, and you, as much as anybody, have talked about how tricky it is on this show. Feel like you're trying to thread the needle, not in terms of what you believe, but in terms of how to communicate what we believe. Yes. What I'm saying is if a guy like Ben Sass is very self-aware, um, willing to buck the system, he's a contrarian, good. He clearly thought through what the price to be paid would be for being an elected Republican official refusing to support the nominee. And he was willing to do it. And he gave, the, he gave pretty much the same arguments consistently the entire time as he was being challenged and questioned. Good for him. Therefore, it's not a question of we know you're not capable of multidimensional game theory. So I'm not as I'm not as hard on him as I am somebody like Crystal, who it's clear that if Mitt Romney had done the same thing with the Obamacare subsidies as president, he'd be celebrating it. Maybe this is more of a warning to somebody like Sass that you're only going to get one or two mulligans like this. And, and, and I can also understand the idea of he was instantly reacting to Trump in the now because that's what was hot right now. I get that, okay? I get that too because I do it too. That's why, take it from a kindred spirit here, Ben. You're going to get one or two mulligans like this if you are caught consistently 
demanding of a standard of Trump. You do not demand of the Democrats. You're everything that you've done or built for whatever the motivations are. It's just who you are. It's political posturing because we're guys. Let's face it. It's probably both because we tend to think on that level. Right. You know, so, okay, it will blow up in your face. You cannot be the antithesis the antithesis of Mitt the Twomp is not I don't I don't I let Democrats get away with raping and pillaging the the countryside while I hold while I find the needle in the haystack with Trump I don't like no the issue you have with Trump is he's symbolic of what you are opposed to well then be opposed to it not just because it's Mr. Trump that's what I'm saying so I'm going to uh, practice what you're preaching then. Uh, a few weeks ago, remember when uh, when Donald supposedly, or Mr. Trump, President Trump, uh, cut the deal with Pelosi and Schumer? Mm-hmm. I was pretty open about the fact that I'm rooting for him to fail now. But you know what? He's done some pretty good things the last couple of weeks. So I'm not quite sure if I'm uh, if I'm if if I'm uh, ready to go all the way through with that because he's proven me wrong at least in a couple of situations. But that's, I mean, it's not that we're slippery and sliding depending on how we feel on a given day. That's just, that's if he decides to go one way uh, and it's not conservative and it's not good for the country, that means we're going to call him out. And if Mm -hmm. he decides to do something that's good, that means that we should praise him. And so, you know what, Um, right now I'm not quite so sure I want, I'm rooting for him to fail because on the track he's on right now, he's actually doing some good things. Yes. But as far as with, with, with Ben Sass, um, as far as he goes, Ben, if, if you're listening, I've tried to get you on the show many times. So, uh, can we, can we figure that out at some point? Uh, the other thing is I, I, this is a tweet. Tweets, I mean, tweets are a dime a dozen. And I get the, the, the thing about reacting, responding in the moment. I, I just, I think sometimes too much is made out of, out of tweets. And if this is an indication of what you're pointing out, Steve, that uh, this is, uh, you know, a pendulum swinging way too far in one direction of never Trumpism, mm-hmm. then that's a problem. But on the same token, I'm just inclined to say this is a tweet for now. A brief devil's advocate. It, let's say he does have the track record of going every bit as hard in all the right ways against progressives. Now, have you heard anything about his actual book, Steve? Um, where he lays, I mean, his, philosophically, mm-hmm. he has a track record being sure. pretty solid, but I think we're talking uh, more within the uh, uh, political arena, use of opportunity and, and rhetoric. If he, if he wants to run for president, what I'm saying right now matters. If he doesn't, then it really doesn't. Okay? But if he wants to run not for to president, extent, what yeah. I'm saying right now matters a lot. Because you do not want to stand up there on a stage in a Republican primary and it becomes your Marco Rubio gang of eight. You don't want to have to answer repeatedly. How come? Because if I'm Ted Cruz, let me let's game let's game plan this out. If I'm Ted Cruz, I've warned you guys from the beginning. If I were running Ted Cruz's political operation, who have I always said to watch out for? Sass, because conservatives love the new hotness. The new hotness for conservatives, like the backup quarterback of your football team. The guy hasn't disappointed me yet, so he's got to be better. We love the new hotness. Well, if I'm Ted Cruz, the one way I'm going to deflect Ben Sass's new hotness coming after my base is I'm going to stand up there and say two things. One, when, when I was doing the tough work of trying to get Obamacare repealed and tax cuts done, what were you doing? That's number one. The second thing I'm going to say is, you know, Ben, I really agreed with you on 
what on on the president's comments about the First Amendment. But I'm just wondering, how come you don't have the same comments for Chuck and Nancy when they go after the Second Amendment? When they when they went after the First Amendment with Christian bakers and florists? That is now Ted Cruz will do that. I know the man very well. Where he's not comfortable is the personality back and forth with Trump. He's not. That's not who he is. The you know, the the ideological stuff. Oh, he will throw throat punches on that. It's on the it's on the lion Ted. That's the he's not comfortable at that level of combat. But in this arena, where it's about policy, he will drop bombs. So and if you're Ben Sash, you don't want to be up there having to answer those questions. So in other words, Ted Cruz is not going to fling uh, your mother smell. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelled of elderberries. But he will debate <laughs> the uh, he will debate Great reference African swallows versus European swallows. Yes, uh, at a philosophical level. Well said. That's a great reference by the way i hadn't heard that in years go ahead todd even if he had done all that and laid all that ground don't don't you think the reason they go here and go here hard is their frustration that uh, the and this speaks to aaron's point the good things that we just got how, who which one of us is going to bank our mortgage on that you can't plan for trump that's you're the right. problem and it you're drives right, them but you nuts. can't be making it look like you're no, no, yeah, you're, I can you're see planning your for the worst either I, that's I, all i'm saying I, I totally agree yeah i mean and you can you can factor that i've got if bill crystal would have said uh, you know I, this whole argument's irrelevant because the courts are going to rule somewhere along the line that this is wrong, and we know he's going to back down. So you see, so this is another case where conservatives are all fired up about Trump's rhetoric and an executive order that probably won't pull up the, the judicial overview. That's we do, dude. We do that all the time. Yeah. You can't though make it look like you're because your base takes this as not rooting against Trump, but against them. Against them. Now you're the National Football League. Yep. That's what that's what I'm trying to warn Ben Sass and others about. Right. And don't try and, and this and I'm sure Ben would say, hey, that what the issue at that moment was the First Amendment. It, I get what you were trying to do, but it's just like we've said to the NFL for the last month. It's not what message you're trying to convey. It's the message your audience actually receives. That's what matters. Because can you can, can you vote for yourself enough times to win office? No. Can the NFL, can the, can the front, can the, can all the players, front office personnel and NFL administration, if they all watch the NFL all day long, would that justify it, the, the ad rates it's charging networks right now? No. no. Which means it needs who? Us. Which means Ben Sass needs who? Us. It's not about the message you were trying to convey. It's about the message the intended audience actually received. That's what it's about. The message being received here is... You're rooting against us. That you, it's more important for you to show the liberal media that, that, you're, that, that you're their huckleberry. There's another reference for you. That it's more important for you to be proven right than it is for the country to succeed. Whether that's true or not is irrelevant because that's the message received from the audience. Uh, I, this is why, or by the audience. This is fascinating to go back to our discussion on Friday because this is why I said uh, on the show why you you've got to be careful how much you bury Trump for going after the media right when it's been found out to be covering up Harvey Weinstein's you yeah. know rapes. Are that this is tricky to navigate? Yes. no matter who you are. Yeah, it is. That yeah, it is, and that's why I'm I'm doing I'm I'm having this podcast now. Because I really respect what Ben Sass has tried to do, okay, and I don't want to see. I, I, we've lost enough people. Enough people have disappointed us. So this is our, our favorite term, 
constructive criticism. Um, but this is from one kindred spirit to another who's navigating these waters right along with Ben Sass. I'm, I'm in the same boat, man. I'm paddling in the same canoe here, okay? So I'm just telling you, you can't be seen going, letting Democrats get away with what you're criticizing Trump for. Then you become, you, you are exactly what you're accusing Trump cult of being. Just you're, it's heads I win, tails you lose. That, you're not an antidote. You're not even an antithesis. You're a complementarian at that point. That's all. Make sense? Word. Final word, Aaron, because I know Ben Sass, you, I know that's one of your dudes. Uh, yeah, that's one of my, uh, my dude crushes. I, I, what, you, what you clarified towards the, uh, towards the end uh, about the, uh, th- this is an interesting c- case study. That's what I'll, I'll say on how uh, con- consistency matters across the board, how response um, really does really can't re- respond people responding to what other people have said even if it's just a tweet as I said earlier really does say maybe a lot more than 140 characters and I think um, it is it, it is frustrating it is challenging to navigate as you said these these waters um, because you said towards the the beginning of this topic uh, it's really hard to find the truth when everybody's telling lies or when everybody's uh, lying. You said something to that effect. Mm-hmm. That's basically where everybody is in this arena right now. Mm-hmm. Or everybody who actually wants the truth. Hey, if you're fine with not telling the truth, you're going to make a lot of money yeah, and you're going to be then, fine. Okay, then, but don't, here's the dumbest person. The dumbest person is the guy who goes over the middle to catch the pass on third down for the first three and a half quarters of the game and gets drilled by the safety every time he does it. And then when the game is on the line, and this one matters more than any other time, and you've already taken nine shots, okay, to the skull, decides with 35 seconds left in the fourth quarter to get alligator arms and you go over the middle because you don't want to take another hit. Listen, if you're going to make business decisions, that's what they call those in football, business decisions, start making them in the fourth quarter. Don't take nine damn hits to the vertebrae and then decide at the end with the game on the line and everybody really relying on you, you know, I just don't think I can do this again. There's no point to that. That's what I'm trying to say. That's all. All right, that'll do it for today. (laughs) We're done here. I want to thank Shannon Joy for joining us. Don't forget CRTV.com, promo code DACE. Don't miss a show. Not just us, but the entire team here at CRTV. Until tomorrow, John 317. This is Steve Dace. I like it, you.